Chapter 3 of The Life of David Brainerd by John Stiles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 His removal to Mr. Mills's at Ripton, the preparatory steps to his becoming a preacher and a missionary. The life of a student is not the field in which the philosopher or the curious will range to collect observations on the human character or materials for pleasure. From a general barrenness of incidents to seize the attention and captivate the mind, it appears insipid and destitute of interest. From the month of April, 1742, to the July following, Mr. Brainerd was a recluse. His examination and license to preach, and his examination by the correspondence of the Society for Promoting Christian Knowledge, and his appointment to be their missionary, were the only active scenes in which he was engaged. These were certainly events of considerable importance to him, and he would consider the year in which they occurred as a very memorable period of his life. On his expulsion from college, he became a resident with Reverend Mr. Mills of Ripton, and under this gentleman pursued those studies which from his persecution had suffered a temporary interruption. His diary at this period discloses the heart of a missionary, and we here discover the first ardent breathings of his soul for the conversion of the heathen. From it, we also learn that an unsuccessful effort was made by his friends to restore him to college and to reinstate him in the enjoyment of its privileges. This disappointment he must have severely felt, as he was soon to have taken his degree and would have been the first of a very numerous class. The spirit in which he narrates this mortifying circumstance and the state of his mind in reference to the event of his expulsion exhibit him in a very interesting point of view, and we cannot but pity the man whose soul could suffer him to be the enemy of David Brainerd. The following extracts must be interesting. Tuesday, April 6th. I cried to God to wash my soul and cleanse me from my exceeding filthiness, and I could think of undergoing the greatest sufferings with pleasure and found myself willing, if God should so order, to suffer banishment from my native land among the heathen, that I might do something for their salvation in distresses and deaths of any kind. Then God gave me to wrestle earnestly for others, for the kingdom of Christ in the world, and for my dear Christian friends. I felt myself weaned from the world and from my own reputation, willing to be despised and to be gazing a stock for the world. It is impossible for me to express what I then felt. I had not much joy, but a sense of the majesty of God, which made me tremble. I saw myself mean and vile, which made me more willing that God should do what he would with me. It was all infinitely reasonable. Tuesday, April 8th. I had hopes respecting the heathen. Oh, that God would bring in numbers of them to Christ. I cannot but hope I shall see that glorious day. Everything in this world seems exceeding vile and little to me. I look so myself. Monday, April 12th. This morning the Lord was pleased to lift up the light of his countenance upon me in secret prayer and made the season very precious to my soul. I felt myself exceeding calm and quite resigned to God respecting my future employment, when and where he pleased. My faith lifted me above the world and removed all those mountains that I could not look over of late. I wanted not the favor of men to lean upon, for I knew Christ's favor was infinitely better and that it was no matter when and where, nor how Christ should send me, nor what trials he should exercise me with, if I might be prepared for his work and will. 
I now found sweetly revived in my mind the wonderful discovery of infinite wisdom in all the dispensations of God towards me, which I had a little before I met with my great trial at college. Everything appeared full of the wisdom of God. Wednesday, April 14th. My soul longed for communion with Christ and for the mortification of indwelling corruption, especially spiritual pride. Oh, there is a sweet day coming wherein the weary will be at rest. My soul has enjoyed much sweetness this day in the hopes of its speedy arrival. Thursday, April 15th. My desires centered in God, and I found a sensible attraction of soul after Him. I long for God and a conformity to His will, in inward holiness, ten thousand times more than for anything here below. Lord's Day, April 18th. I retired early this morning into the woods for prayer and was enabled to plead with fervency for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. At night I saw myself infinitely indebted to God and had a view of my shortcomings. It seemed to me that I had done nothing for God, and that I had lived to Him but a few hours of my life. Monday, April 19th. I set apart this day for fasting and prayer to God, for His grace, to prepare me for the work of the ministry, and in His own time to send me into His harvest. I felt a power of intercession for the advancement of the kingdom of my dear Lord, and withal a sweet resignation and even joy in the thoughts of suffering hardships, distresses, yea, death itself in the promotion of it. In the afternoon, God was with me of a truth. Oh, it was blessed company indeed. God enabled me so to agonize in prayer that I was quite wet with sweat, though in the shade and the wind cool. My soul was drawn out very much for the world. I grasped for multitudes of souls. I had more enlargement for sinners than for the children of God, though I felt as if I could spend my life in cries for both. I never felt such an entire weanedness from this world, and so much resigned to God in everything. Oh, that I may always live to and upon my blessed God. Tuesday, April 20th. This day I am 24 years of age. Oh, how much mercy have I received the year past. How often has God caused his goodness to pass before me, and how poorly have I answered the vows I made this time twelve month to be wholly the Lord's, to be forever devoted to his service. The Lord help me to live more to his glory. This has been a sweet day to me. Blessed be God. I think my soul was never so drawn out in intercession for others. I had a fervent wrestle with the Lord for my enemies, and I hardly ever so longed to live to God and to be altogether devoted to Him. Lord's Day, April 25th. This morning spent about two hours in secret, and was enabled more than ordinarily to agonize for immortal souls, though it was early in the morning and the sun scarcely shined at all. Yet my body was quite wet with sweat. Felt myself much pressed, frequently of late, to plead for the meekness and calmness of the Lamb of God. Oh, it is a sweet disposition, heartily to forgive all injuries, to wish our greatest enemies as well as we do our own souls. Blessed Jesus, may I daily be more and more conformed to Thee. At night, was exceedingly melted with divine love and had a sense of the blessedness of the upper world. Those words hung upon me with much sweetness. Psalm 84, verse 7, quote, They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God, end quote. Oh, the near access that God sometimes gives us in our addresses to him. This may well be termed appearing before God. It is so indeed in the true spiritual sense. 
I have not had such power of intercession these many months, both for God's children and for dead sinners. I longed for the coming of my dear Lord. I longed to join the angelic hosts in praises, wholly free from imperfection. Oh, the blessed moment hastens. All I want is to be more holy, more like my dear Lord. Oh, for sanctification. My very soul pants for the complete restoration of the blessed image of my Savior, that I may be fit for the blessed enjoyments and employments of the heavenly world. Wednesday, 28th. I withdrew to my usual place of retirement in great peace and tranquility, and spent above two hours in secret. I seemed to hang wholly on my dear Lord, wholly weaned from all other dependencies. I knew not what to say to my God, but only lean on his bosom as it were, and breathe out my desires after perfect conformity to him in all things. Thirsting desires and insatiable longings possessed my soul after perfect holiness. God was so precious to my soul that the world, with all its enjoyments, was infinitely vile. I had no more value for the favor of men than for pebbles. The Lord was my all, and he overruled all, which greatly delighted me. I think my faith and dependence on God scarce ever rose so high. I saw him such a fountain of goodness that it seemed impossible I should distrust him again or be any way anxious about anything that should happen to me. In the evening my heart seemed sweetly to melt and was humbled for indwelling corruption, and I mourned like a dove. I felt that all my unhappiness arose from my being a sinner, for with resignation I could welcome all other trials, but sin hung heavy upon me, for God discovered to me the corruption of my heart, so that I went to bed with a heavy heart because I was a sinner, though I did not in the least doubt of God's love. Oh, that God would purge away all my dross and take away my tin. April 30th. Nothing grieves me so much as that I cannot live constantly to God's glory. I could bear any spiritual conflicts if I had but my heart all the while burning within me with love to God. For when I feel this, I cannot be dejected, but only rejoice in my Savior, who has delivered me from the reigning power and will shortly deliver me from the indwelling of sin. June 12th. Spent much time in prayer this morning and enjoyed much sweetness. Felt insatiable longings after God. I wondered how poor souls do to live that have no God. The world with all its enjoyments quite vanished. 18th. Considering my great unfitness for the ministry and total inability to do anything for the glory of God that way, I am set apart this day for prayer to God and found him graciously near. Once in particular, while I was pleading for more compassion for immortal souls, my heart seemed to be opened at once and I was enabled to cry with great ardency. I was distressed to think that I should offer such dead cold services to the living God. My soul seemed to breathe after holiness and a life of constant devotedness to God. But I am almost lost sometimes in the pursuit of this blessedness and ready to sink because I continually fall short. Oh, that the Lord would help me to hold out yet a little while till the happy hour of deliverance comes. In July, he was examined by an association of ministers respecting his piety and learning and received from them a license to preach the gospel of Christ. From this period, we take our leave of him as a novitiate, and he now presents himself to us in the amiable and interesting character of a minister. Perhaps no man ever felt a deeper sense of the importance and awful responsibility of this office than did Brainerd. He was overwhelmed with a consideration of his own meanness and entire insufficiency, and many a time with a soul awed and almost oppressed by the greatness of his undertaking, he ascended the pulpit with trembling steps and a palpitating heart.
There was, as a minister, nothing confident, nothing of arrogance or self-gratulation from the display which he was enabled to make of his talents about David Brainerd. He seemed to live but for one and a widely different object, the display of the divine glory in the conversion of immortal souls. Every inferior consideration was absorbed in this. He possessed, in a very superior degree, the talent of representing truth in a lively, affecting manner, and his address was solemn and impressive. This, with an unabating ardor in the great pursuit for which he lived, rendered his preaching everywhere highly acceptable and useful. His remarkable devotedness to his work, his patient perseverance through spiritual trials and difficulties of another kind, soon attracted the attention of his brethren in the ministry, and all looked forward with pleasing hope to the great benefits which, if spared, the Church of God would derive from his eminent services. The Reverend Mr. Pemberton of New York fixed upon him in his own mind as a suitable person to preach the gospel to the Indians, and accordingly wrote him a pressing invitation Quote, to visit New York and consult about the Indian affairs in those parts, and to meet certain gentlemen there who were entrusted with the management of those affairs. End quote. The purport of this letter was quite in unison with the feelings of his soul. He who had so often prayed for the heathen and wept over their miserable state was a man of all others, the most likely to enter with all his heart into any plan, the object of which was to assist and evangelize them. This was the case, and after much prayer, and the serious advice of Christian friends, he acceded to Mr. Pemberton's proposal. He conferred not with flesh and blood. The love of Christ constrained him. On his arrival at New York, he was introduced to the correspondence of the Society for Promoting the Knowledge of Christ in the Highlands of Scotland and in popish and infidel parts of the world. This benevolent society, in a day when the subject of missions was generally and awfully neglected, and a missionary spirit was but little felt, stood unfriended and alone. But its object was noble, its commission divine. The poor heathens had, in this institution, an active and a zealous friend. In the promotion of the grand design of its association, it was indefatigable, pitying the state of the American Indians, who were indeed without hope and without God in the world. They commissioned their correspondents in America to look around them for a man of God who, with suitable qualifications, would be willing to undertake the arduous work of a missionary to wild barbarians. The providence of God directed them to Brainerd, and their first interview was highly satisfactory to them and encouraging to him. Armed with self-denial and animated with a noble zeal to propagate the gospel of Jesus in those regions where its light had never shone, all who conversed with him were fully persuaded that it was the will of God that he should go far away unto the Gentiles, and with readiness, yet with the deepest self-abasement, the holy Brainerd gave himself up to the glorious work. End of chapter 3